always say to people, if you think that sending your resume in through an online application is enough, you might as well have thrown it in the garbage. Um, I'm actually really excited to speak with Marin and her point of view of like branding yourself. I mean, I know that she's a coach and consultant and, um, you know, hiring for or finding positions for people. Um, so it'd be really interesting to hear her perspective um, on things because I definitely have a few questions to ask her about, like, you know, when people ask her for her advice, like what's the success rate of her finding the right things for the right people or so forth? Because it'll be interesting to hear that perspective. I think, every, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously branding yourself is an important part of the job search process and, and applying for jobs. But yeah, she, to, to market yourself, right. And to really get deep into that level of detail around you and your brand is something that honest to God, like was something that I was told at Nike when I was working there and was like, you need to work on your brand. I mean, probably in nicer terms, but sure. Um, <laughs> and what I obviously didn't take, uh, I didn't really take it seriously then, you know, and for whatever reason it is what it is. But yeah. um, I think in retrospect, looking back, I mean, I think that there's, there's opportunities there for even for people who are in, jobs right now to figure out how to like continue to build their brand and strengthen their brand. And so, yeah, I think um, I'm really excited to get her perspective on how she developed that process. Hi guys. Hi Marin. Hey Marin. How's it going? You know, it's good. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty good. So there's no video today. Uh, no, no, this is entirely all voice. I I showered for you guys. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I've been on enough surprise podcasts where there's video, and I was like, "Shit, I just <laughs> finished working out." <laughs> I know. I had to. Um, work out uh, during the day today as well, just to get some steam off. I think. Um, Jesse and I have been texting all day with the current events that have happened today. So we, I just needed to get some steam off. I was just like, what are you referring to specifically? Oh, you know, the whole um, current event of uh, the Congress. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. I was, like, I was wondering if there was something. That no, no, Nike today. no, nothing about Nike is just overall okay. general. Um, yeah. But yeah. But no, this is there's not this is one boring day right now seriously. You know, every day is a big day. no uh, agreed <laughs> um we're super excited and thankful for you being on yeah. part of this i think it's 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 our first career um expert you could say okay. um to to have on our podcast and you know the way we usually start is like um prior to our discussions you know we would always love to hear how you kind of went with your journey and how you got there and um kind mm -hmm. of you know we always start with our guests like how they got to nike as well and you know yeah. i think today is going to be a little different for us is like we want to hear the journey and hear about nike yeah. but more about your yeah. expertise and i think that's where we're going to sure. go about today that sounds great i will lead or i will follow wherever you lead <laughs> great well okay so let's let's definitely start i mean i'd love to hear about your path um, because I think number one, you have a book, which is amazing. Um, thank you for, um, being able to provide that for us. I think, yeah. uh, made to hire is an amazing book that if people have 
not read it or wanting to learn more about kind of branding yourself and your career journey, um, this book is the book that you definitely need to check out, especially that you have so many great interviews in there. But in addition to one of my mentors, you know, Mel, Mel Strong, I mean, it's yeah. just amazing. Um, Thank you. And, you know, I think we'll kind of definitely would love to hear your start and how you kind of like figured what you wanted to do and how did you get into the, the topics of, 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 you know, the career journey that you wanted to go through and then be able to say you got into Nike and then move, go yeah. from there. That sounds great. So should, I should start with just kind of my journey into Nike and how, where that, where that idea came from and how it actually happened. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. So I was born in England and uh, grew up in Canada and I, shortly out of my undergrad, really put two and two together and realized that my undergraduate degree in sociology was not going to help me build a career that I would be passionate about. <laughs> um, I, I grew up as, as an athlete, really playing a lot of different sports, and my dad planted the seed in my mind and said, why don't you try building your career in the sports world? It's what you love. And I was very fortunate coming out of my undergrad. I, I got an internship working in Major League Soccer in the U.S., and um, from there, I did a few different short-term internships or contracts in the sports world that ultimately led me actually to the Adidas world um, first. So I started in Adidas's headquarters in Toronto, Canada, actually working on the Solomon brand, the ski and snowboard and outdoor side of the business back when Adidas and Solomon were all part of the same umbrella. And, you know, I quickly realized after a couple of years at Solomon that my sociology degree was not cutting it for me uh, in, in terms of business skills and managing budgets and, and really just the, you know, the quantitative side of working in business. And so I heard about this program in the U.S. Uh, based in Eugene, Oregon, which I really had no idea where that was, but it was a, an MBA program, program specializing in sports business that had very strong ties to Nike. And, you know, once you've been um, at a brand that isn't the number one, I think, you know, people who have a nature like, like ours are kind of hungry for what is, what would it be like to be, you know, to be at the number one. And so, I resigned from my position in the Adidas Solomon world and moved to this small town in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. And my family and friends and my coworkers uh, thought I was nuts, uh, but I, I really had a dream of working at Nike. And I was very fortunate that the U of O you know, certainly has strong relationships with Nike. And so I started a two-year MBA program in Eugene and it was in the spring term of my first year that there was a talk happening in Eugene and it was bringing together female leaders from the sports industry in, a, in an event called the Women in Sports Business Symposium. And uh, there was a woman to be on the panel uh, who was uh, senior in the women's division at Nike. Her name is Jody Sittig. I don't know if either of you are familiar with Jody. Yeah. She's, she's, she's a legend in my world for sure. She is. <laughs> Yeah. And so she was a panelist and I said to the head of my program in the business school, I said, can I please host this woman, Jody Siddig, who will happen to, you know, will be in Eugene for this event this day. And, and he agreed because he knew that I was just hell bent on getting into Nike. And I was fortunate enough to get to spend the day with her in Eugene. And, you know, she was just full of so much incredible advice and, and said to me, 
uh, reach back out to me later this summer and I will have you do some project work for me starting in the fall of your second year. And so, so that happened. I started doing work for Jody while I was still in grad school and did several different projects. She ended up um, suggesting that I do some work for, um, for a few other people at Nike. And ultimately what happened was I was driving to Portland three days a week from Eugene, you know, while doing full-time school. And then I had a job on campus as well, but I was just determined. And, and, you know, you guys know how tough it is to get into Nike. Um, but as I approached graduation, um, a few different opportunities, um, kind of came my way. Um, I had the opportunity to interview for a few different jobs and um, was offered a couple positions at Nike. And I think really it just came down to having had been on campus and working and building relationships that year leading up to graduating. And then also Jody um, used to run the department that I ended up um, getting hired into. So certainly her recommendation to the, to the woman who was running it at the time that I was hired, um, I believe went a long way. So um, I'll never forget the the day that I drove to Nike uh, for the first time as an actual employee. I think we all remember that feeling. You know, it really was a dream come true, and I was I was just really proud of myself for, you know, the I guess the vision that I had, um, you know, years before that, and putting in the work to make it happen. So, yeah, um, that's how I got into Nike, and I, I'm still to this day great friends with Jody and incredibly grateful to her. Awesome. So I'm curious, at what point did you really start to kind of fixate on Nike as your goal? You had mentioned looking at the program. Was was the idea of going into the program really kind of centered around that goal of going to Nike? Or was that kind of a secondary thing that you started putting together once you were there? Well, I, I felt like I needed an MBA in order to fill in what I thought were some pretty significant gaps in my skill set. But I... I would have only gone to a school that I thought could get me into Nike. And so that's, I was thinking about Nike while applying. I only applied to one school. Um, and um, yeah, as I was approaching graduation, there was only one company I wanted to work for. So it was, it was a Nike mission for sure. You know, you had talked about, you know, being at the sort of the second place company. At what point, like, when you when you were younger and you were kind of like an athlete, was Nike a brand that really stood out to you early on that you had a relationship with? For sure, it was. You know, I, 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 I've always had a marketing brain, although that isn't what my undergraduate degree was in. But I, I always admired the work that Nike did uh, in the marketing space, but then also just the, the excellence of the product. Um, you know, was something that, uh, you know, that I really, you know, loved and, and felt um, in, just in terms of the performance and, and being an athlete and using Nike products. Absolutely. So it really was a dream come true, kind of the, you know, my business mind and my athlete mind, kind of those two pieces coming together. I think that's the feeling that a lot of people, you know, who aspire to work there certainly have. I, I totally agree. And, and I would love to know, like, as, as a full-time employee, as you came in, and you had kind of this, you know, expectations of what you're going to do and, and whom you were going to, you know, kind of learn from. And, and we speak about leadership a lot and would love to know, like, um, and, and a lot of the guests that we spe have spoken with, their leadership um, experiences have been different. But when you came in, what was the leadership experience for you as you came into Nike? In terms of my opportunity to lead or people uh, I learned Yeah, from? I think both. I think the opportunity yeah. for them to give you... Um, to trust you in doing your job, mm -hmm. but also being able to kind of learn from them. 
Yeah, it was interesting. So the woman who hired me, the woman who uh, ran the team who I um, came into Nike full-time into was Leslie Mullins. And um, she is a, a, a brilliant mind um, who I remember when she hired me, she said, you're not the most qualified person for this role. I'm going to be honest with you. She said, but you have the most potential and you're right for the brand. And she said, so I'm going to, I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to give you the space to do what I know you can do here. And it was really interesting because by no means did she micromanage me at all. She said, you know, I, I know, I understand how you think. And she said, I think you're going to bring a lot of creativity and strategy to this role. And she said, you know, I hope that that will influence, um, you know, your, your coworkers and other people on the team. And she said, you can learn the nitty gritty, you know? So I think, uh, a leader in that way was a great fit for me because she, um, you know, again, she didn't micromanage me. She gave me the opportunity to, um, you know, to explore and, and to find my own way. Um, so that was, uh, that was a great fit for me. Um, you know, Jody definitely, and Jody obviously managed me on projects um, while in grad school, but she was more directive with me, which I also needed, you know, and I think all of us when we're younger in our careers, need a little bit of both. You know, you need somebody who will actually give you feedback, but then you also need somebody who will allow you a little bit of space to make mistakes and learn from them. And so I was fortunate with um, the first few managers who I had at Nike that I got both of those things. And then, um, you know, I would also say I was given lots of opportunity just in the roles that I had at Nike to, to lead. So if I came up with a great idea, because um, I'm, you know, I'd say my brain works half as a marketer and half as a strategic planner. And so I, I tried to bring a lot of strategic planning into the marketing space. And um, I, I was given the opportunity to set some best practice examples for how um, the team functioned, right, in, in terms of like building strategic marketing plans. That wasn't really such a common thing back when I um, went into Nike, which was back in 2006. Uh, you know, the brand has formalized so much more in its marketing planning process over the past 15 years. But back then, I remember when I developed a strategic marketing plan for the category that I was working on, you know, my boss kind of looked at me and she said, I'm going to have everyone do this. <laughs> right. And now it's commonplace. So I, I, I was really fortunate, the experiences that I had with leadership and being able to lead, but also being developed. And, and I love that because, you know, I think today's, um, I'll say corporate world, you know, we're, we're starting to notice that, you know, the, the younger generation is looking for that mentorship through people and, and the kind of guidelines of, of kind of being able to emulate the people that they respect and want to be mentored by. And um, you were given that amazing opportunity and given the experiences that you had, what, when was it the kind of, moment where you said okay I think it's time to move forward and try something different mm -hmm. beyond Nike yeah thanks for asking that so I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit probably because my dad has has always been an entrepreneur and so yeah both of my parents raised me just with the confidence in my abilities and I think uh, what happened for me when the reorg happened in 2009 I was reorged into a position that I felt like I had already done before. And I think that happened to a lot of us who were at Nike at that time. Uh, you know, we were fortunate to have not been laid off, certainly, but at the same time, being put into a position that you didn't choose and you didn't fight for, I think um, was a tough place for me at that point in my career because I was still really hungry and 
and wanting to climb and wanting to be challenged. And it didn't feel like a challenge. And so I, at that point in time, decided to write a business plan for, for my first company, which is Fixed Consulting. And that's a, a sports uh, consulting firm. And so I did that kind of on the side quietly while I was still working full-time at Nike. And um, I spoke to a few of my mentors at Nike and said, am I crazy? You know, Nike has recently laid off hundreds of people. Am I crazy if six months after that I decide to leave by choice? And um, it was pretty cool, actually, the the feedback that I got. Um, You know, every one of them said, I've got your back. You know, do it. it's, it's going to, it's going to work out for you. And, um, you know, that was 10 years ago. So it, you know, it was a leap of faith for sure, but I made sure that my first client with fixed consulting had nothing to do with the sports product world. It was actually, actually Portland marathon. Um, cause I was working in Nike running at the time in marketing. And so, um, that, that was a great place to start. Um, you know, and I, I've always been loyal to Nike. I've done a ton of work for Nike over the years, but I've also done really interesting work for brands completely out of Nike's space, you know, like um, like Cliff Bar or Bleacher Report, or, you know, just I've done kind of the gamut of from small to large brands in the sports world. But, but again, lots of work for Nike, so I'm grateful for the relationships I have there. Um, I'm really curious because, you know, when you're at Nike, you're at this, you know, gigantic company, you've got all these teams around you, you've got all the support. Uh, What was it like leaving and going out on your own and taking a lot of those learnings and just into, you know, a business of your own and just being the Mm -hmm. single person trying to go out there and do that work? Yeah, great question. So the first Friday when there was no direct deposit <laughs> was terrifying. Uh, anybody who's left to do something like what I did remembers that feeling for sure. But, you know, it um, I had built a marketing plan um, for the business before leaving, and I felt like I knew where work would come from. And I think that was one of the keys for me was Um, feeling like although it was going to take quite a while to get back to the income that I was making at Nike, I had confidence in the fact that I knew I would get projects. And, and, you know, just having built a strong network in the industry at that point, having worked in the industry for 10 years, um, there was was a sense of, of confidence and calmness that came from that. And I just had to let go of the income side. And I said to myself, this first six months, is going to be ugly. You know, I'm not going to make much money. But if I do a good job at nurturing the relationships that I know I have, and if I do great work, one project should lead to the next. And I found as well that there's this incredibly collaborative community in the consulting world because there's more work um, than any one person or one you know firm can do. And so um, I have. I have benefited from that. And I've also certainly been a part of, um, of referring other people to projects just because, you know, I, I believe that, um, you know, when one of us rises and does great work, uh, you know, we, we, we all rise if we support each other and, and if we know the quality of each other's work. So, you know, I've, I've certainly found that to be true. And so I've, I've tried as much as I can to pay it forward as well. And I actually really love that because I, I've realized that just from my personal experiences that the, the consultant world, um, in addition to, I think, just the, the fraternity sorority of Nike, um, mm-hmm. even if you leave, the backing and support is amazing, which is which oh, has yeah. blown me away. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and like you said, it was, 
you know, the opportunity to really understand that you were by yourself and you were able to kind of just understand this business plan and just stick with it and, and everything worked out. Um, I, I actually would love to know how you go back to your, the graduate alma mater of U of O and, and became a instructor because that's what I would love to right. know. <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking that too. So, uh, so I left Nike ten years ago, which is is crazy. And and again, I'm so grateful for you two, Jesse and John, to reach out to me and want want you know me to share my story. It it speaks to how strong our network of of the kind of the Nike family is, which is so cool. Um, so yeah, so I left Nike ten years ago, which you know in essence made me a bit of a free agent and. So the U of O reached out to me because one of their instructors in the business school in Eugene was going on leave, I think going on a sabbatical for six months. And there was an undergraduate business course, I think it was called Introduction to Sports Business or Sports Business 101, and they were looking for an instructor. And, um, and you know, again, at that point in time, I had about 10 years of experience in an MBA and, and Nike on my resume. And so they asked me if I would be interested in teaching. And I said, sure, um, that sounds like like a great experience. And so I did that and I loved it. Picture me in a, in an auditorium full of a hundred and something undergrads. Uh, it was, it was a great experience and certainly piqued my interest in teaching. But then fast forward, I kind of just stayed focused on consulting because that uh, professor who I was teaching in place of came back from sabbatical. But then about six or seven years ago, uh, one of my favorite people on the planet, Ellen Schmidt-Devlin, who is uh, an ex-Nike legend, um, she reached out to me. And it's funny because uh, a friend of both of ours, who we both know from Nike, Kate Del Hagen, um, suggested to Ellen that she reach out to me because Ellen was starting a new master's program here in Portland, um, connected to the University of Oregon, but, but a new program, a master's in sports product management. And she was starting it with a very respected um, professor from the U of O, Dr. Roger Best. Funnily enough, he taught me in grad school. And so those two had joined forces and decided that they were going to do this extensive surveying through the industry, figuring out really where are the gaps when someone comes into a sports product company like a Nike or an Adidas or a Columbia where are the gaps in their skill set? And could a master's program be created that would actually teach students the full 18-month life cycle of a sports product? And it was determined, yes, there's a lot of demand in the industry um, for this master's degree. And so this was, this was just an idea at this point in time. And um, you know, Ellen really felt like she needed um, somebody who had a lot of experience in marketing in the sports industry and Kate Del Hagen suggested that she reach out to me. And so, yeah, it was about seven years ago that Ellen and I sat down and she said, so we have this idea. What do you think about being, you know, being the marketing brain behind this thing? And I said, well, that sounds totally fascinating. Um, I'm in. And so um, Ellen asked me to write the marketing plan for this new master's program, which was, you know, everything from defining who's the the target student to what would the industry involvement be kind of the full gamut of how are we going to launch this thing globally and it was a total blast just such a fun challenge and once we launched the program or got close to launching it um, Ellen laughed and she said you know I'm not going to let anyone else teach the marketing strategy course right <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was 
delighted and honored to be asked um, to teach this now graduate level marketing course specific to the sports industry. Um, but I also said to Ellen at this at that time, you know, I am I'm happy to teach um, you know students about you know marketing sports products. But I, I I've been learning Ellen over the past you know um, ten or thirteen years, however long it was, you know that I had worked in the industry, I said, I've been learning, you know, that there's a really big gap, not, um, not just in how, you know, people know how to market products and services, but how they market themselves. And, you know, Ellen said to tell me more, what are you thinking? And I said, I'd like to develop curriculum specific to helping students learn to market themselves. So we don't just graduate people from this program, understanding how to market things, but they know how to market themselves. So that's kind of how it all started, um, me teaching here in Portland. That's awesome. And I think that's a perfect segue to what you are doing today because I think um, during this year and even last year with the economy and what's you know currently that's happened within Nike and, and kind of, I think there are a lot of people would love to hear your expertise in regards to um, career coaching number one but being able to you know like you said I think market yourself and that's the very beginning of how to start getting other brands to be interested in you yeah I'm happy to share so, you know so it, it's interesting because I you know so I I've been mentoring and career coaching since I finished grad school and I think lots of people in the industry end up doing that you know as a way of giving back and just paying forward the success that you have had but it wasn't until I started teaching about six years ago that I really started doing it a lot more formally. And it was in my first couple of years of teaching that I developed this curriculum around marketing yourself and personal branding and kind of the full gamut of, of what it looks like to really go after um, a goal or go after a dream job. And it was interesting because as much as my students enjoyed my marketing strategy, course material, they were really, really hungry for this um, job-focused and personal development-focused material because they had never received anything like this before. And so I ended up, gosh, I think two or three years ago, making this material available more broadly. And it was thanks to so many of my students saying, Marin, more people need help with this, you know, you should write a book, you should, you know, start an online course. And so that was when my second company, Made to Hire, uh, was born. And um, it is such a passion of mine, um, really just this, um, I guess it's a gift maybe that I have um, in seeing potential in other people and helping them capitalize on it, helping them realize it, helping them um, you know, not only identify um, a goal if they, if they need help identifying it, but actually helping them accomplish it. And there's really honestly nothing that makes me more excited than, you know, when I've worked with someone and they call me and they say, I got it, I've got the offer, you know, because it's tough, especially right now. It's really, really tough out there, um, you know, and it's interesting when you have worked for a long time and you get really, really good at what you do, um, whether you know, you're in marketing or sales or product or whatever. Um, but if it's been a long time since you had to speak about yourself um, or interview or do anything like that, it can be incredibly intimidating. And so I've certainly found that with especially the Nike community, I have been kind of a safe place for a lot of people. 
whether they're considering leaving um, or have um, left maybe not by choice, um, I've been kind of a place where people can, can be honest and vulnerable and say, Marin, I think I need help. So I'm going to say something that maybe is a little off color, but based on the past year, you must have a ton of clients coming to you from Nike because there's just so much that's going on there right now. Like, yeah, I, you know, I do, I feel, I feel bad about what's happening at Nike. Um, but I also, you know, I, I'm happy that I can help people. So yes, I do get a lot of calls, um, from people at Nike or who have recently left Nike. Um, and my whole thing when I started made to hire was I want my advice, my expertise to be accessible. And that's, you know, why I wrote a book and the book, you know, is on Amazon. It's not even, you know, 20 bucks, right. Cause I don't want somebody who is struggling financially, um, to feel like that's, an, um, they, they can't find help, you know, but, but certainly I do, I do do a lot of one-on-one -on -one career coaching as well. Um, so yes, <laughs> I've worked with a lot of Nike people. So I, I want to expand upon what you said about, you know, just being kind of a safe haven for people and giving them that sort of peace of mind that, you know, you're there for support and, and able to kind of get them set on the right track. Cause I think that um, for a lot of people, when they're working at a company, just say like Nike, you know, they're so deep into it that when they're pulled out of that, it's, it's, it takes a while to mm -hmm. kind of get your bearings a little bit and kind of just sort of reset yourself against your own identity and personality when that's not there anymore. Um, can you speak a little bit to, you know, your experiences with that? Is that an accurate yeah. statement and, and, and how, you know, without getting into too much detail, cause you know, we obviously want people to read the book and to, to, you know, make contact with you to, you know, work with you, but what kind of advice or what kind of, um, what, what, how do you kind of help people through that transition? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Jesse. So one of the things that I find Nike does with most people, unfortunately, is it makes people feel very average and, uh, and then if you're, if you're kind of average, because, I, because everybody there is amazing, or for, almost everybody's amazing, so you don't get a ton of overwhelmingly positive feedback. And then if you find yourself um, laid off from Nike, for example, you feel really average or, or worse than average, right? So um, often will people will come out of there really having lost touch with their self-worth with their market value. And um, it's interesting, you know, I mentioned this earlier, you know, how much time we spend at Nike managing that brand very, very carefully. Yet people don't spend much time managing their own brand. And so when they're not at Nike anymore, that is a very scary reality of who am I? What am I good at? How am I going to get from holy cow, I was at Nike for 10 or 20 years to, I don't even know how to tell my story. Um, what is LinkedIn? How do I write a LinkedIn profile? Oh my gosh, I haven't had, I haven't had a resume for 15 years. And so that's usually what my first conversation with someone sounds like is um, they'll kind of share their journey with me. And then we usually go through a process of rebranding and repositioning them. And so what does that look like? That's usually... Um, we usually start with LinkedIn because, you know, it is 
the virtual billboard of today, right? And if you're going to be looking for a new job, you better have a great LinkedIn profile. And I would say 90% of profiles I look at are really bad. Uh, and it's just because it's it's a there are very specific things that you need to do on LinkedIn to get noticed, right? Um, and most people start poking around and 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 using LinkedIn before they should be. You need to have a great profile before you start hunting around on LinkedIn. So I'll, I'll usually start there with a client is let's fix your LinkedIn. Number one, and then usually number two is let's fix your resume because again, it's probably been a decade <laughs> since you needed a resume, um, and then. Pretty quickly on the heels of that will be, let's get you really good at telling your own story because, you know, we know that most interviews are over in the first five minutes and it's because people just aren't great at telling their own story. And so I help, I help people get really good at it so that, um, you know, within those first few minutes, the interviewer is nodding, right? Because, you know, all the boxes are being checked. And then usually the next thing that I do with someone um, is we'll usually do mock interview work, you know, which, yes, it can feel scary. Um, but, you know, a mock interview with me gets someone so incredibly prepared. The actual interview is a piece of cake and, you know, they end up um, getting the offer uh, more often than not. Right. So it's just, you know, I think. I think the work that I do is just, it's, it's a lot of confidence building with my clients. Um, and I'm tough, you know, I give a lot of feedback, but, uh, you know, the, the plan is to, you know, to really help them get that next job and, and let's not sugarcoat the areas that, you know, might be areas of weakness. Let's actually work on them. Um, and so that's what we do. I think that's said perfectly. And then I'd love to know, like, are you, I don't know if the word is surprised, but for like people who worked for Nike, the best storytelling brand company, I, I still say in this today, um, mm-hmm. and they've been in there for so long and they were doing what they were doing. And then, you know, when they decided to either move forward and move on and they come to you, um, is there a little bit of like, you know, kind of like, you know, you work for the best company of storytelling, but you have a really difficult time telling your own personal story. I, I expect it, honestly, um, John. It, it's, it's not a skill that is practiced there. But, you know, again, Nike teaches people to be really good at managing that brand, not their own brand. And so it's not until you're back on the job market that you actually need to figure out, okay, so how do I apply all these skills that I have um, to myself? And, and, and that's, what I, that's what I do is I help people do that because they actually know a lot of these things. They just haven't turned the mirror, you know, to look at themselves. And so, you know, we start with the basics, right? Like knowing your audience and how do you, how do you create a connection and how, you know, how do you tell a story in a memorable way and, and what sort of content is interesting and what's the right length of a story and, um, and, and, you know, and then certainly there's a huge part of storytelling, which is it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it. No, I, I yeah, agree. So. I mean, I was recently speaking with a friend who is, who is actually looking for an opportunity. He had an interview and he was kind of shocked um, in the sense of still being asked this question. Um, and I'd love to get your perspective on it. Um, again, I think people should read your book um, as, as I'm, I'm reading it uh, right now. Um, but like when, when interviewers ask them, um, or even us, um, 
what is your weakness? That person was really still surprised and they still really had a difficult time trying to figure out um, how to answer it or what the formula is. Yeah, it, it, it's a question that you should expect to be asked in every interview. And I talk about this in my book. Um, don't give them a real weakness, right? So think about what the job is. Don't give them a weakness that is going to be directly related to you not being good at that job. Give, you can give them a weakness that is a skill that is not related to the job, something that you're working on that is genuine, right? But um, be strategic, right? So, you know, if I'm going to be applying for a project management job, I'm not going to say that I struggled with managing details, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I might talk about, you know, I've been working on my creativity, right? And so in my free time, I'm doing this, you know, this art class or whatever, right? Again, you can give a genuine you know, weakness, but, but you need to be strategic about it, not hurting your chances with the job. Uh, Marin, you have so much stuff going on. You've got these two businesses and <laughs> I would assume that you're still teaching. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. I am. Yes. And I have, I have uh, three, three kids too. So, I mean, this is one of those like hot topic questions that's always hard to ask, but I mean, I think as you're experiencing the, the growth of made to hire and you're continuing to manage your business and your teaching, like how have you been able to find the time, even just within the past year or so with the pandemic, which I would assume has kind of impacted at least the consulting business, like how do you sort of figure out how to prioritize and how to manage your time? And do you have any sort of advice you can, can offer people who are kind of going through the, that kind of experience? Yeah, and I feel I feel for people right now, especially for parents, you know, with the situation with school. Um, you know, I don't think that selfish is a bad word. I've always felt that you have to look out for yourself. You have to find a way to um, to feed your soul, feed your passions, and, and so. I've always tried in the ups and downs of my life to not let go of myself uh, in the journey. And so for me, um, fitness is my outlet. Um, you know, so we have a small gym space in our house and my husband and my kids know that that's where I go. <laughs> and um, so I do that every day. That's kind of one little thing that I, I do for myself. Um, and I'm also just really honest with my husband about, you know, if I need a little bit of time just to read a book or take a break. And I, I think especially uh, working parents, I think we feel guilty um, at, at taking, you know, 30 minutes. And um, I just try to remind myself that I'm going to be the best, you know, parent or, or version of myself for my clients if, you know, if I actually feel like I am fed myself. And then you know, the second thing that I do um, is if there's something that doesn't have value to me in my life um, and I can get help with it, um, I have no shame in outsourcing. So I don't clean my house. Um, you know, um, for me, I would rather um, either spend more time with my kids or spend more time helping my clients rather than cleaning my house. So, you know, I just, I think there are compromises and obviously, you know, you have to pay for something like that, but for me, it's worth it. So, um, you know, the outsource model has certainly been a, um, a big part of, I think, my balance and sanity. Marin, um, so we've asked this question to all our guests as well, and 
would love your perspective because I think there's maybe there isn't a difference, but maybe there is. But when the difference, like if for an uh, uh, executive or a person who's been in the job field, um, you know, understanding to build your personal brand, yes. But if there's someone who's coming out of a university um, that's trying to get into a, a brand like a Nike or Adidas or you know a, a CPG company or, or a big brand in general, what kind of advice would you or can you give them? Yeah, I talk about this a lot, John, because you know my my students are all in that place, right? You know, and here's the thing: um, most people, honestly, whether they're a new grad or have have worked for many years, they think that applying online is going to get them hired. And I always say to people, if you think that sending your resume in through an online application is enough, you might as well have thrown it in the garbage, the virtual garbage, right? Because there are so many other things that you could do to stand out and you're going to have to do those things if you want to stand above the other applicants. And I talk about this in my book. I have a five-step um, process to landing your dream job. And, and applying online is step four. There are all these things that you should be doing before um, actually submitting your application, right? And it, it's a lot of the things that we've been talking about, like actually building your brand, right? So, you know, making sure that you have a really strong presence on LinkedIn, for example, Um like, um, you know, actually building and leveraging your network. So, you know, if you're a new grad, for example, you want to actually try to build a relationship with someone inside the company that you're interested in so that, you know, hopefully they can give you tips on, um, you know, how to handle the interview or perhaps, you know, in some companies, they could perhaps, you know, help get your resume into the right pile, right? Um, another thing that I do with a lot of my students um, is, I teach them about tools beyond just a resume. You know, we know that a resume is, is a staple that you need in order to apply for a job, but I talk a lot in my book about other tools um, like a suitability map or like a 30, 60, 90 day plan. I go over a lot of different tools like this that can help you actually stand out. You know, imagine receiving an email from an applicant and they, they give you this, this one pager that shows how their skills align with the position, right? Or they give you some, some, a couple one-page work samples of work that they've done that is very connected to the sort of work that you know, you're hiring for. It's a very different type of applicant than the person who just sends in a resume online and ends up in a pile you know, with a whole bunch of other applicants. It's just, you know, for me, the job search process is a game um, and it's it's learning to stand out and that's what people just have forgotten or maybe they never learned um, but that's what I teach my students is you, you have to find a way to stand out and, and build relationships and and go after it you know because it's not going to happen otherwise love it Marin, you seem like somebody who's definitely gone after it in your career. <laughs> and so this question is, you know, um, an interesting one, because I feel like you had a pretty good sense of what you were looking for and what you wanted to do. But I'm curious, like if you were to go and go back and, and provide some advice based on your perspective of your career and where you're at now, if you could go back and give some advice to your younger self either coming out of school or, you know, maybe at Solomon or, or whatever, 
what would that advice be? Oh, yeah, that's such a great question, Jesse. I was scared uh, when I was younger. I, you know, I was the type of person I remember in college, I didn't want to be called on. Uh, if I had to stand up in front of a crowd, um, my cheeks would go all red. I would get nervous. My students always laugh when I tell them these stories now because I love public speaking. But um, you know, my advice really would be to get really comfortable in front of a crowd. Uh, you know, to work on on your confidence in you know again, like we talked about, telling your own story or just public speaking in general. When someone has that skill and the ability to control and command a room or an audience, it's incredible. You know, we've all seen people who are really good at it and you would trust them with just about anything. They're so engaging. You know, you just, you think that they're just so capable because they can hold the attention of so many people and their, their words are like art, you know, how, how they tell a story. And so that would be my advice to myself back in the day would be to work on that and, and get over it. Um, you know, and it's funny because I have, you know, I have three young kids and I was just talking about this with my nine-year-old today. I was telling her that next week um, I'm doing a public speaking class for my kids and my neighbor's kids. And my daughter was like, oh no, mom, really? And I said, sweetheart, I'm doing it because I love you. And I struggled hard with this and I want to start now with you. And um, I'll have to let you guys know how it goes because her face, she was just, she was just looking at me just, oh, like she was kind of like, mom, where can I hide? <laughs> I feel like that's my kids every day. Dad, don't speak. <laughs> just anything. <laughs> um, oh, man. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much. Um, to all our listeners, if, if, if you're dealing with this or wanting, you know, wanting to know more, please definitely get Made to Hire. Um, by Marin. We'll definitely have that on our website. Um, but we're super stoked, super grateful for your time. And man, this is such a, I, I feel like we have to have you again soon. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Jesse and John, thank you for, for hosting this podcast and bringing the, you know, the Nike community together in this way. I absolutely love it. And it's been a pleasure to chat with you and I would be happy to come back anytime. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Marin. Absolutely. Thank you. All guys. right. Talk to you soon. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.